HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen, forget about the meatloaf. I'm coming home with the crabs. <laughs> You're going to need to elaborate on that, Souther. Yeah. Well, that was the slogan, actually, at a restaurant that I worked at in Chicago called the Davis Street Fish Market. But it applies to this little bit of banter here because um, there's a guy out there making um, whiskey out of crabs, the green crabs, the ones that we don't really eat. I'm not sure. I couldn't uh, suss out. This was just in my Instagram feed. I couldn't suss out where he's from, uh, but I got his name. His name's Will Robinson, uh, and he's making he's making whiskey with crabs. Well, it's coming oh. from Tamworth Distilling out of New Hampshire, which we know we know their uh, their tamarind spirit, which is amazing. Um, that was a really kind of a relation for cocktails. I mean, I love tamarind and cocktails, and I you know I, I always get the Jaritos uh, oh, tamarind. You, when you brought that up, I didn't realize that that was the connection. They're they're connected. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so they're making it uh, at Tamworth Distilling, uh, if it's the same people. Yeah. Anyway, it's made from green crabs. Uh, I don't know exactly how you call this. It, it's a bourbon base steeped with crabs, uh, corn and low country boil blend mixture is what it says. So, I mean. Yeah, it's got like coriander and dill and paprika, like, right. like crab boil whiskey. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of for it, man. I, to be honest with you, like it's kind of a cool, uh, it just weird. It's one of those weird things, you know. It's it's not like it's not an everyday thing, but I think you know I, I definitely want to try it. So if if they want to come back on the show, it's been a while. Um, yeah, I'm, and I'm, talk about it. You know, I'm into it for the um, I guess sort of judicious, you know, use of a nuisance uh, product. Right, these crabs are kind of overtaking, and this is a way to kind of chip away at it. But I did read the the, the brief paragraph that I saw said that it only takes about a thousand of these crabs per batch. So unless he's making bunches of batches, we're not cutting through that many of these these uh, overpopulated right. crabs. Oh, you heard it here first on the speakeasy. Buy all the crab whiskey you can, guys. If you care about the environment, <laughs> yeah, stock right. up on crab whiskey. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think it falls in the, in that realm of, uh, just because we can, doesn't mean we should, mm -hmm. uh, but, but I'm still interested. I would be interested to try it. I don't know. I love crabs. I love whiskey. Are you talking about nacho cheese? Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, Dorito vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that certainly falls under that umbrella. <clears throat> but, still you haven't know, tried it yet, but pe pe people you. who've tried it have, uh, said that they enjoyed it. I tried it. Uh, I didn't find much, uh, it didn't have much oomph in my opinion. But, uh, well, it's kind of like one of those. It's, it's kind of like the Bloody Mary, right? It's like you're kind of eating your, you're drinking your meal. Uh, is, sure. is what it kind of comes down to uh, with this crab boil thing. I think. I mean, like of all the crazy ideas for like incorporating some sort of food into a drink, uh, this one I'm, I'm all about. Like, I, I want to try it. Oh, for sure. I would take this over birthday cake vodka in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, again, I think it's just. Uh, I don't know. I, I would love to get this guy on Will Robinson and, and talk to him and see what his thought process was when he when he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to put crabs in the whiskey. You know, you know what a fellow to do? <laughs> yeah, was this a fever dream? Um, did he did he reach out to uh, you know um, Chat GPT to ask uh, what 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 can I do with these crabs? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's a pretty good segue for what. What we're going to be talking about on this show today. Exactly. Uh, so joining us in the studio today, we have the team from uh, Drinking with Robots. Uh, I'm now very curious to see what happens if we punch uh, Design Me a Cocktail with Crabs in there. Uh, <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So we have uh, joining us live from Raleigh, North Carolina. We've got Greg, Rob, and Ariana. Thanks so much for coming on the show, y'all. Hey, for thanks having for having us. So very briefly, talk to me about the concept of what drinking with robots is because i was i was texting with a friend of mine before the show and the concept the concept is is it takes one or two sentences to really get it across because she was like wait do the robots make the drinks and i was like well depends on what you mean by make like they don't physically have hands to make the physical pr they come up with it and then we as the automatons in this equation make yeah. it. I'm right about this, correct? Yeah, so pretty much the, the, the general idea is that for every episode, I come up with a theme, and depending on what that theme is, um, I extract out some little nugget of it to serve as a cocktail creation prompt. And that prompt is given to the real-life human bartender co uh, competitor and our AI, which... For season one was primarily chat GPT, but we're not beholden to you know a single AI model. At that point, they both have, well, it, the human gets a week. The AI usually gives me a response in about three seconds. <clears throat> and so they give me a spec based on the prompt. I take that prompt. I make it as written. I don't fix anything. I don't go, oh, well, that probably should have been this much of that. Uh, I make that blind for the judge, who is my wife, Ariana. Uh, she has a wonderful palate by virtue of uh, running the business that she has. And so she scores all of the cocktails on an established rubric. And then we bring the bartender in for an interview, and they find out if they scored higher than the AI or if we're really in the latter days of uh, human dominance and we should be welcoming our AI overlords, you know, very soon. Uh, and that's kind of the gist of it. So, you know, we try and do the first part of the podcast with a little bit of background and history on whatever the theme is. Um, you know, we talk about the theme a little bit during kind of the second act with, you know, the human bartender in. 
Um, it's really fun to see, I think, where we go with it because to your comment during the intro, we usually it's more than just make me a cocktail with crabs. Um, although now I'm really afraid that that's <laughs> going to end up being a thing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but we, we try and give it a little more open-endedness. Yeah, well, that was one thing that really, and, and uh, just to, you know, tip my hand here. I feel like this is like, you know, anytime the Washington Post is a story about Amazon, they have to be like, full disclosure, the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. You know, full disclosure, I was a guest on Drinking with Robots last summer. It was actually a ton of fun. Uh, you challenged both me and the AI to do a, uh, a modern update of a classic Manhattan. And um, I remember, I'll, I'll be honest, I had a pretty busy week when I was supposed to come up with the recipe. So like, I would have liked a little bit. I'm not going to say I phoned it in. I will say I would have liked a few, a little more time to do a few more prototypes. But I was pretty pleased with the drink that I that I made. I think that it had a lot of weird elements that sort of came together and worked because why not? Uh, and then I remember being on the show, you telling me what the AI came up with. And I remember standing here in my studio and hearing the drink that I was going up against and just being like, oh, fuck, that actually sounds delicious. <laughs> like that's I want one of those right now. That sounds really fucking good. Um, but, yeah, your prompts are interesting in that it's not just, you know, it wasn't just design me an updated Manhattan go. You kind of give this whole you feed this whole soliloquy about what you want, both to the human being and to the AI. Do you find that that has any particular effect on the drinks that ChatGPT comes up with? It makes a monumental difference, honestly, because if you just say, make me a drink with X, Y, and Z, it's going to give you a very kind of pedestrian drink with X, Y, and Z. Where ChatGPT in particular excels for this kind of thing is giving it kind of a backstory. Like I've gone so far as to be like, Acting as a cocktail bartender with over 20 years of experience in the blah, blah, blah region of, you know, America, come up with a cocktail that satisfies the following prompt, you know, and so you give it a whole backstory and then it, I, I, I'm not sure on what internally to the AI itself causes this to happen. I don't know if it causes a filtering of, you know, its corpus of text that's you know, been Data trained on. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it makes, you know, filters on those, but it definitely steps up that cocktail and what comes out of it. And that's something that we've learned kind of over season one. The first couple of guests, I they were phenomenal and I appreciate them. Greg was our second guest. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, uh, sorry, Greg Ewan, my uh, forthcoming co-host, not Greg Benson. <laughs> for anyone who's listening, not watching. Uh, and so <laughs> what we learned over the first few guests was that we had to, if we were more complex in that backstory, we got better output. And so the first couple were, are pretty basic from AI, uh, but we saw some really amazing ones uh, towards the end of the season. Um, trying to think any that jump out kind of immediately. I think there was uh, there was a really great one Mr. Rogers. For Mr. Rogers. That one was really awesome. That was a good one. It looks like it was difficult telling which one was the bartender versus the AI because the AI pulled an informed play, it seemed like, because it had a chartreuse and pineapple blend, which means you either know about the history of those being sold packaged together in Texas in the 70s, or you've seen the, uh, was it the Colada Verde or Pina Verde? Yeah. yeah. And then Pina Verde from, from Castro. Yeah. Yep. And then there's, there was an episode where it pulled in Lapsang Sushong 
tea infused simple syrup. I didn't even know what that was. I had to like, I had to go to a local tea shop. And be like, right. uh, do you have this? And they're like, we don't even stock that. And I was like, well, Amazon it is, I suppose. Um, so, th- so that was really interesting. You know, it's, it's pulling in and ing- so it's not just, you know, grab some Midori and, you know, something else, you know, it's giving you a little more complexity there. And we try and keep it so that it's not, insane um you know bartenders are welcome to spec custom syrups infusions things of that nature uh, as well the biggest hassle is uh, living in a control state we have to be careful on our uh alcohol selection uh so you know every contestant i, I send them a link to our abc which is our governing body for spirits here uh, and basically say if you can find it on this list then you can spec it Otherwise, let's just keep it very generic of bourbon or you know whatever base spirit it is, and then specific liqueurs and modifiers. Where did this entire idea kind of spawn from? Is it just sort of like uh, the natural step to take, given that AI and ChatGPT and et cetera have have become so commonplace that you decided like how can I incorporate this into my sort of day to day? So my uh, my day job, I'm a software engineer, so AI is something we talk you know we've talked about for years. Uh, it's really a lot of times when people say AI, AI it's really um, machine learning algorithms, depending on how in depth you're going. But it's something that, you know, for my day job has been a common concept. And then I'm also half of uh, Remedy Cocktail Company with Ariana, who founded that. And so in that context, you know, we make a lot of cocktails to proof out like the bitters that, you know, are produced by Remedy. And so, you know, making a lot of cocktails and thinking about, you know, all these jobs that AI supposedly is going to take and then thinking like, well, how, you know, what is that step from being able to ingest content and remix it and and extrapolate from it to being able to really be creative, you know, in a food and Bev context. And so, I think the thing that struck me the most was I was playing around with ChatGPT early on and I said, give me a cocktail recipe that Thomas Jefferson would have made for Benjamin Franklin after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Something just completely ridiculous. And it gave me a cocktail recipe that was like period correct. You know, it used ingredients that would have been available, you know, in a style that would have been. And it was yeah, and named it. it. It has a panache for naming things, um, mm-hmm. but it just—I think that was the one. I was like, "Oh, this is this is too cool not to do something with." And so, it's dangerous. Yeah, like, where am I supposed <laughs> to get a hot copper? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about that that really freaks me out is that, like, like it's exciting, but it it, it also freaks me out is that like. Is that when I was, I've been talking with a lot of different bartenders and like bar managers about this, and they were like, Yeah, man, it's kind of crazy because I feel like it's going to be very competitive. Like when you're coming up with a cocktail menu, and you know, if you're putting your your experience into it, your knowledge, and uh, and you know, what you have access to, like in your case, uh, through your state liquor authority or uh, wherever it might be, um, is that they're they're feeling like they might be kind of like obsolete the human might be obsolete compared to like the the robot you know the the ai and so they're like yeah i mean like that means anyone could come in and like any kind of newbie who doesn't have the experience could come in and like write an entire cocktail menu for a place get hired based on that and then 
they're like the next step of that is that they crash Execution, and burn because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're like they don't have the experience of doing it and then it's like and and also here's one thing too um that came up in conversation uh last month is liquor costing so like if you are coming up with these cocktails that have you know like something that hasn't existed since the late 1700s there's certain things and i'm sure ai has some kind of say in that but then again it's like does ai have like southern glaciers uh book with all the frontline pricing in it you know like you know so it's kind of an interesting thing when you're trying because one thing about being like a bar manager and being a business owner it's like you are looking at the the bottom line and that's how you you know price cocktails a certain way and you're always trying to figure out a way to make them less expensive for the customer but also more profitable for the bar or restaurant um and so there's a lot of different elements here that are kind of like all right it can you do that? Have you experienced? Have you have you dove into any of that kind of uh, like kind of back bar uh, math as far as uh, AI goes? Yeah, so it's interesting because from so, so if we look at a couple of different facets here. So one is, and I say this repeatedly in multiple episodes, there is no cocktail that AI has produced in season one that I would put on a menu as it was given. Um, some are really tasty. Uh, some have definitely beat, you know, the the human competitor, but no cocktail would I put on as written. So I think that anybody who's thinking, oh, I can do this, a they're setting themselves up for disaster because, you know, while the cocktails may be tasty, they're not proofed out one hundred percent. Two uh, touches, you know, if you're a volume bar, Chat GPT has no concept of like, you know, you're touching seven sure. bottles, sure. I don't care uh, versus, you know, when you're actually a human behind the bar trying to get that cocktail out and you're, you know, the, the ticket printer is just like, nah, 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 you know, uh, it, it has no concept of that. And then also cost, it doesn't know anything about cost. Now, I will say that if someone were adventurous enough, if there was a large enough company that was running, you know, locations and they wanted to do this, you can feed AI custom corpuses of data. So you could you could put things like your costing and things of that nature. So you could teach it, right? right. Like, exactly. It, it learns exactly. So you could, in theory, right. get closer uh, on the costing side of the world. Uh, like you said, one of the perfect examples of where AI falls short. We did an episode on uh, the history of the drive-in movie theater and the cocktails that were produced by the human and the AI were almost indistinguishable from one another same base spirit wow. same modifiers mm -hmm. uh, the sole difference the human topped with cola ai did a cola reduction and this is where having lips and having you know a palate becomes important it assumed that it would become sweeter and when we cook down cola oftentimes you don't get any more sweet you, know, you actually kind of cook that sweetness out and you get more of the herbal and bitterness that's left behind and so it actually said add some lemon juice to that thinking it would be countering the sweetness and instead it totally kind of skewed that cocktail so once again this is an example of where having the palate and and functionally knowing you know experiential knowledge versus theoretical knowledge i, I suppose uh comes into play I mean, I'm not worried about uh, AI taking over until oh, I hear. I am, but... <laughs> no, we're only <laughs> oh, oh, wait, there's a, like a there is a until coming. Sorry, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. 
until, until I hear the answer to this pretty rudimentary question based on your, you know, uh, uh, podcast, uh, what's the win-loss ratio? How, how often does the AI win? So we actually examined that as we were going into this competition that we're doing our first annual drinks invitational uh, coming up and then looking at how we were going to gear season two. It's about a 40% win. <laughs> so they're, they're chomping at our heels, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when I look back over season one, you know, we had some modifications on the rubric as we went, you know, to kind of get that established. But if, if I looked back over season one with the rubric that we run with now for scoring, um, yeah, it was about a 40% win rate. And I mean, I, I have kind of a skewed perspective of this because again, the time that I went up, like I, I, cause I played around a little bit with, uh, having chat GPT design cocktails for me as well. Uh, cause I had a little segment that I used to do on TikTok called artificial intoxicants, which is actually how you and I met Rob, yep. where I would, I would essentially just be, you know, judge, jury and executioner of, uh, the recipe that that chat GPT came up with. But and I think we discussed this on the show, the sort of fundamental difference is that you are actually trying to you want the AI to succeed as much as possible, because that makes the competition interesting. I enjoyed setting chat GPT up for failure, because then it was funny. <laughs> and then the video would be better. Absolutely. Um, but I but I was sort of expecting Greg's in it for the likes and comments. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, look, the two things AI isn't going to be able to take away from me, I can land a punchline and I have great hair. So until <laughs> they have that, I'm set. Well, I will say I don't know if you've ever asked that GPT to tell you a joke, but it is horrendous at that. <laughs> I know. And th and no, I mean, that's the, th we were talking about like when the, the, the threshold where they've crossed the Rubicon and I'm going to be truly scared is it's when they can make me laugh that I'm going to be very, very, uh, I I'm, I'm just going to be like, well, I give up. <laughs> I'm just, now I'm just going to go full, just, you know, off the grid cabin in the woods survivalist, because why not? Um, but one thing I really enjoyed is, you know, because you and your mild-mannered alter ego are a software programmer, I actually learned a lot about AI from being on your show. And so this is the question that I kind of want to put to you very bluntly. Should I be more scared than I am? Because I'm already pretty scared, but should I be more scared or less scared of generative AI and this Rubicon we seem to have crossed where the AI is talking to us now conversationally? So I will say the only place where I am truly concerned when it comes to generative AI is in manipulating existing audio and video footage. That one's the one that really mm. does scare me. Um, and that's not to be conspiracy theorist or, you know, tinfoil hat or anything like that. But it's just that's the one place where I feel like generative AI has some real power to do some very dangerous things. Um, when we can't trust our senses, you know, or, or, you know, what we're hearing, what we're seeing, I think that's the one spot that scares me. Otherwise, you know, you've been using AI a lot without knowing it. Uh, it's in every time you get that little squiggly line under, you know, something you've typed into, you know, Gmail when you're composing an email. It's the, oh, did you mean this when you're searching? You know, those are, you know, it's all this expansion of machine oh, learning. Oh, I meant to say duck. <laughs> <laughs> you duck and duck. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you've been using it. And honestly, <laughs> while I... Part of me would love to, you know, say, yes, we should totally be afraid of all of this. It's it's leading us down a dangerous path. Honestly, 
the utilization that's probably going to happen is probably some of the, <clears throat> probably some of the dumbest utilization that we don't expect. Um, I would love to say that it's going to be used for all these amazing things, but I think in a lot of ways it's going to be like the uh, the 8 a.m. Monday tasks that no one wants to do. That's what it's going to end up handling a lot of more so than, you know, restructuring the hierarchy of society somehow. Whew. Okay, good. So, <laughs> so that's nice. No, and I mean, I, I, I it almost kind of hearing that reminds me of like, I don't know, I went on a big kick recently where I was reading articles from the 90s about like what the internet was going to be. And people thought it was going to be like the Library of Alexandria. People was like, oh, it's going to elevate human discourse and make knowledge and truth so much more accessible. And uh, well, we all know how that turned yeah, out. That went so it's, it's kind of it's kind of nice to hear that maybe you know sure it's a little worrisome that the AI can write us a poem now but mostly yeah if it's just like doing grocery lists for us I'll live at that. Well, speaking of that, Greg, actually I was just thinking about that, especially with Souther being uh, you know he was the chef and went to culinary school he taught taught at culinary school. It's kind of an interesting thing where like I could see it being very beneficial and I just raised I was thinking that you started talking about it like specking out a recipe for a dish, you know, and running it through AI to see like what the actual, like uh, the, the balance of, of the ingredients and like the health benefits and like, you know, food groups and all the different criteria for making like a really well-balanced dish. And maybe what something the, you're a little heavy handed on sodium or maybe there's like not enough or like, so, I mean, that's kind of a cool thing, you know, like if I were a chef, I would probably, probably like at least run it through just to see like where I'm at as far as like the spectrum of, of flavor goes and, and ingredients. Yeah, I actually follow a, an Instagram account. I can't think of the handle right now, but uh, he, uh, he he does exactly this. He plugs, uh, he, he gives ChatGPT some parameters or whatever and asks it to make him all manner of foods, uh, you know, the world's best fried chicken, uh, uh, Michelin uh, uh, ready uh, uh pot pie like he gives it all these very specific things and overwhelmingly he's coming out with what look to be great uh, results and he makes them on camera and uh, he follows exactly to the rules as uh, uh, as you do so that uh, he's just doing exactly what the ai has told him to do um and, and i don't know it seems like his record is is pretty much i mean he only maybe he only films the one that the ones that work right but the if you look at his instagram they all work um which again skews the thing I would back up and ask, you know, uh, given that 60-40 split, and we got two different Gregs in the room who were competitors, did, did these guys win or lose? So I don't want to talk about it. I won, but under the new rules. So I got in right before ChatGPT updated. Yeah. I think if I had gotten in after the update, I would have gotten smoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's an interesting thing. So, so Greg Ewan here uh, – <laughs> You know, he was guest number two. We were using a previous version of ChatGPT and the previous rubric. He did win. Um, it was a corpse survivor restructured into a silver fizz. Yeah. Because my prompt was Star Wars. So mm -hmm. I went with like the Force Ghost. So, uh, like you said, a, a great cocktail. You know what I mean? But I think that under the new rubric, it, it would have been close. Uh, and we do see that there's not ever a huge gap um, in scoring. But even with that, I think you would have lost. And then, Greg, you can kind of speak to your experience. So, uh, Greg, I got absolutely destroyed. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. just smoked. In fact, I think you said, uh, Ariana, you 
Oh wait, no, you we had a guest judge for um and I still suspect the guest judge was a robot which would have been uh, <laughs> biased against me. But you said that the judge uh got them reversed, thought that mine was the one that the robot had farted out and that the human being, you know, the one with the soul and taste buds had created the one that ChatGPT came up with. Yeah, he was really <laughs> impressed with that one. Like, I mean, he he was kind of like when I when I broke it to him because that's the thing is, you know, you have to have kind of this this blind approach, you know, and um, he was shocked, and he, he even was like, "Are you are you sure?" And I'm like, "No, nah, I keep up with this. Trust me." <laughs> so, yeah, actually, that's well. And honestly, that. the recipe sounded really good. Yeah, well, with the judging, which which I enjoy, is that we actually go through and we do it blind, but also we get to guess, right? So, you know, as a part of the podcast, we, as the judge, you get to say, "I think this one is a robot. I think this one is a person." And as a result, we've actually edited some of the prompts because I actually realized that AI, if you say, give examples of, so for like the dive bar episode, there was the prompt for the dive bar episode mentioned Malort, right? In it, like, oh, whether it's Malort or, you know, all these other things. And it had like a list of ing- potential ingredients and all of them ended up in the AI's cocktail. And uh, mm-hmm. not all of them ended up in the... Uh, human cocktail and so we saw that happen a few times where if he listed potential ingredients the ai was really interested in using those ingredients being a large language model i think that makes sense got it but i told him you need to stop doing that because it's clear to me who the robot is if none of the ingredients are mentioned in the prompt i know that's probably the human and yeah yeah so so uh um ariana you taste blind but you get to see the specs so as a part of the rubric, there are some things where, and it's funny because we've gone back and forth about this the whole first season was, I kind of need to know the specs to know how to score some of the things on the rubric. So uh, creativity and originality, mm. right? Because there are things that you can use that'll make it more creative and original that may get you close to a flavor that doesn't actually taste original or creative. So um, I taste it without knowing the specs initially, and then after I've scored most of the rubric, I'm given the specs so I can kind of dive in a little more on scoring some of the items on the rubric. Yeah, because that's one of the things is, you know, we, we kind of have three big buckets. And we explain this in, I think, almost every episode, we kind of recap this. So, you know, our largest bucket is 50 points for taste, because ultimately we care about, you know, that's what we're here for. Uh, and then we do 30 points for presentation, because we also want a cocktail that looks nice, you know, I mean, any... You want to have a little bit of flavor there on the presentation and then originality. And that's 20 points. And the reason that that ends up so far down the list is, I mean, we all know, you know, I made a riff on a riff on a riff kind of thing. Um, It's rare that Mm -hmm. you make something whole cloth new. Um, So, you know, that takes a little bit of a whole strategy. Yeah. Your whole strategy is to make everything whole cloth new, dude. <laughs> no, no. Before we, what do you say? A riff on a riff on a riff. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, inspira- inspiration has to come from somewhere. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese. The tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. 
These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old-world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. The world is changing faster than ever, and you need a website to go with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking to build your following or just starting out with a brand new idea, you need a landing page that's bold, innovative, and uniquely yours. Whatever your passion, you need a web designer with experience, panache, and heart. We can't help you with any of that. Hi, I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Greg Benson. Are we Silicon Valley tech visionaries? No, we're podcast hosts. And that's basically the same thing. And we're here to tell you about Ancestral Agave Syrup. Ancestral Agave Syrup is the 100% pure nectar of the agave plant. Now, wait a minute, you're thinking. I've had 100% pure agave nectar. Well, not like this you haven't. That stuff is processed with a diffuser, which introduces acid. Plus, it comes from Blue Weber, a monoculture that dominates farms, depletes the soil, and won't help you grow your brand or expand your e-commerce functionality. Ancestral agave syrup, on the other hand, is made by slowly cooking down the pure agua miel from Salmiana agaves in Hidalgo and Tlaxcala, two states that have been harvesting those plants for generations. It also won't expand your e-commerce functionality, but it will grow your brand if your brand is person who makes kick-ass margaritas or pecan pies or pancakes. Unfortunately, the families behind this tasty stuff are being offered big beer company bucks to rip out their agave and plant barley instead, which would be a crime because ancestral agave syrup is about as far from the processed stuff as 100% pure Vermont maple syrup is from that sticky bottle at a diner. So don't build a homepage from one of several easy-to-use templates, but do grab Ancestral Agave Syrup. Today, our first 25 customers will also receive a special limited edition Agave Superhero comic book. So do not wait. Protect the land, make better drinks, and save the bats by grabbing some today. Go to... Wait, what was that about bats? Uh, yeah, it's an important food source on the migration path of the Mexican long-nosed bat. Huh. Yeah, the flowering stalks of the agave also provide protection from predators. Oh, that's cool. Should we get back to the ad now? Yeah, let's do that. Go to AncestralAgave.com or click the link in the show notes to grab some today. Ancestral Agave Syrup. It won't help you build a beautiful website, but it will make your cocktails taste really, really good. Yeah, I always say that like a cocktail, uh, you know, the first thing, like when it comes between food and drinks, your first sense experience is going to be visual, right? So like, you know, with food, you smell it cooking, your olfactory first, right? But with a cocktail, with a drink, it's visual first. You know, you don't always smell the cocktail first. But does, I mean, because I, I honestly, I haven't messed around with this too much. Um, I've messed honestly, I've messed around more with uh like chat gpt with song lyrics with my band my band is kind of like toss some stuff around like ideas like like and you know like you were saying before this is kind of like a little bit of a callback but challenging ai with a, a more in-depth like some uh, in-depth parameters 
it actually is more creative when you do that, right? So not just like a dive bar cocktail, like, oh, what can you get in a dive bar? Well, you can make a jasmine because like every bar has, you know, Campari, Cointreau, gin, and lemon juice, um, even if it's from the bottle. Um, that's probably one of the best dive bar cocktails you can make, <laughs> by the way. But, you know, when you're like, oh, well, with the, the parameters that uh, someone is allergic to, I don't know, whatever ingredient, you know. But anyway, um, but we messed around with it in uh, songwriting and, you know, we're like, write a song about love. And it's like, okay, just regurgitates the Beatles. It's a, a, it's a riff on a riff, right? But right. then you, you start throwing in some other parameters and it, it actually performs really well. But I was wondering about just what you were saying about presentation. Like, are you also using it to generate images of the cocktails? Mm. So I'm not actually, but I will, you know, I, I have to give a shout out. There's a great Instagram account. Um, we're not associated, but I've seen what they're doing. It's called Bar GPT. Uh, they're specifically doing that. They're not doing any kind of competition for them, anything like that, but they are generating cocktail recipes and associated imagery. And it's been interesting. I've watched them as they've kind of developed, you know, from very rudimentary, um, you know, using stuff like I think Dolly and, and kind of moving up through mid journey and um, some other things. And I'm, I'm assuming they must be doing a similar kind of refinement process as what you know we do with our prompts and things of that nature, because I've seen some amazing looking imagery come out of that, uh, Instagram account recently. Now I haven't tried making any of the cocktails, but from a from an imagery point of view, it's stunning. Yeah, I mean, our good friend Chris Louder uh, on his uh, Instagram and TikTok, he he was doing a lot of uh, generating photo or, or renderings rather of of bars because that's what he does. He travels the world and builds bars. Uh, and like in the very beginning, it was all you know kind of creaky looking, but uh, as he progressed, it just got more and more photo realistic and themed and stylized to the prompts that he gave it, you know, uh, like he did one that was like, I, I, I gave it all these lengthy prompts and I said, you know, make me uh, bars that look like Marvel characters. Right. So he had like uh, you know, Captain America bar and the, you know, Iron Man bar, et cetera. And they were, they, they were fascinating. Um, so again, it's all about what you feed it. Like going back to what Damon was saying, I, I imagine if you said, you know, write me a love song, you're probably going to get something pretty generic. But if you said, uh, you know, if you imprompted, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you prompted it to say, go through, mind. go through the catalog from you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Elvis Presley uh, and the Beatles, and throw in you know some angle of uh, the Steve Miller Band, uh, it would go through those catalogs and it would come up with something that kind of like touched stone, you know, had a touchstone to all those artists. Um, so you could, again, it's it's only going to learn from what you give it, right? Have you ever like? and you said your prompts are getting better and better. Have you ever done something like that? Just say like, well, you know, Robert Simonson's got seven books out. So, uh, chat GPT, look into the works of Robert Simonson and create me a cocktail that Robert would create or something like that, you know, like, yeah. So it's interesting because, so bear in mind that with chat GPT, uh, end users have no control over the training text. So that, you know, open AI, the company behind chat GPT uses some selection of text, to train that model publicly facing. Now, if you, there are ways that you can get your own uh, enterprise version of ChatGPT and other AIs where you can then load in your data sets. But when we talk about ChatGPT, the end user has no control over the training volumes. That means mm. there may or may not be any of that content in their data sets. 
Right. We don't know. I mean, I don't know specifically. The closest thing right now with ChatGPT4 is that you can tell it to go research, you know, a certain person. And it it's partnered with Bing because Microsoft is a backer of OpenAI. So it will go and use Bing to do a search. Right. And then it will ingest some of that content and try and extrapolate from it. So you may be limited. And it, but I will say this also brings up a, another kind of salient point when we talk about open a, you know, or, um, AI models in general, large language models. They need text to be trained on. And you know, there's a lawsuit that was going on. I think Sarah Silverman and some other folks were party to this where their written work had been used to train large language models and so you know the question this is is what i was going to bring up next yes yeah so is that violation of ip and copyright and things of that nature because you could almost get my understanding and i haven't tried this you could get almost entire portions kind of regurgitated to you without having to own or have purchased a license which is a weird concept anyway um for that content so I, I have to assume that it's ingested a large volume of something more than just random websites with cocktail recipes because some of the stuff that it pulls out. But I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, got like Jerry Thomas and, you know. It's on a, it's on a strict diet of tipsy bartender. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Boston. Yeah, right. All yeah. those videos from Mahalo.com. Oh, oh Janae. Yes. Oh, Janae. Oh, Janae. <laughs> the single greatest free pour yeah. of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, about two ounces. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty incredible. I gotta um, say, I gotta say, just a shout out to her. She was actually on the show, and yeah, she's actually she super cool. Is she, uh, she was, I think, our four hundredth episode. Yeah. yeah, she actually, she actually knows what she's doing. Uh, I think that was just a um, <laughs> an unfortunate setup for her when yeah, they didn't give her yeah. any of the tools. They're just like, all right, here's a pint glass and some whiskey. Go ahead and <laughs> yes, have it. Yeah, and they, and they shot all all of the videos that you've ever seen from Mahalo with her, and apparently they shot over the course of like less than five days. Oh yeah. So they just they were just churning them out. I would say the production was less than five hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then Aaron Goldfarb wrote that great article and redeemed her, and you know, like then Jim Beam picked her up and made the video again, where she sort of poked fun at herself but made a nice old fashioned, mm-hmm. yeah. really cool re- redemption story. You should check it out. Yeah. Um, well, not, not to derail away from the robots, we've talked a lot about robots. Um, Ariana, let's talk just at least a little bit about something that I, of course, love. Um, you run uh, Remedy Cocktail Company, which is a, a bitters maker, right? Yes. So uh, we're two years in now. Actually, our two-year anniversary was it's today. It's today. today. Uh, so we did our first. Oh, wow. Well, happy anniversary. Happy actually. anniversary. Thank you. Uh, we, I think we discovered recently as we were revamping our website that we have the largest variety of bitters flavors in the u.s mm-hmm. we could not find anybody who has more flavors than us uh we're at over 25 flavors right. we also do exclusive flavors for oh, the cow. bars and restaurants um so i've yeah, got we, two of them <laughs> <laughs> we did two for Aki buddies which is uh greg's haunt over there uh it's where the drinks tational is happening this sunday mm-hmm. but uh yeah we do um a large variety of flavors we kind of cover your traditionals your classics, your modern classics, and then some more untraditional flavors. We're doing a year-long collab with a local distillery where we're doing some barrel-aged bitters. So lots of fun projects. And I'm basically just exploring a whole bunch of different flavors. We do all kinds of collabs and it's a lot of fun. 
you're two years old today. What uh, what got you into the, the idea? You know, like selling selling alcohol by the drop is a is a is a difficult task. It is. Uh, so I've always had a really good palate. So during COVID, when we could not go out to bars and restaurants to enjoy good cocktails, uh, we actually started doing it at home. So we would do something like this, where we would Zoom cocktail hour with friends and do some trivia. And every week we'd come up with some craft cocktail and I'd make all the ingredients or pick up what I could and have a lot of fun with it. And from there, I learned bitters are my favorite ingredient. They're highly underrated and started playing with making bitters. And by the time we launched, we had 12 different flavors and we've just gone from there. I grew up in the hospitality business. My dad was the manager of a year-round resort, two hours of New York, uh, two hours north of New York City. So I grew up up in the mountains there. I think when I was tall enough to wipe the windows of the bar, that's what I was doing. So you know, I was four or five years old, washing the windows <laughs> in the bar on the resort, and my uncle is still the bartender there to this day. So I grew up in the industry, wow. had a great palate, and just kind of went with it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I have some of your stuff at Amore Margo. It's great. Um, and, and, you know, uh, here's here's where I'm going to twist this question a little and say, well, now that your uh, husband has d done a deeper dive into using AI to make cocktails, are you employing AI in any way to come up with new flavors for Remedy Bitters? I have not, no. Um, <laughs> you know, it, Would it's you funny because I had a feeling this question was coming, <laughs> but no, I have not. I have considered trying to use it for our recipe section on our website because one of the things we try mm -hmm. to do is provide people with inspiration for how to use them at home because uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people who now enjoy craft cocktails out are buying our bitters to bring home, but then they get home and they don't know what to do with them. So we do a lot of cocktail recipes on our website. I think we have over 150 on our website and that can be exhausting when you're also trying Time to, to print a book production and everything else. I'm, you know, I'm not putting together bar menus generally I'm making bitters. So uh, I think that might be mm -hmm. a utilization we look at in the future where we can have it generate something and maybe we can do that, you know, push it over the line and proof it out and get it to finish instead of having to start from scratch. So. Well, and that's one thing that always, at least for now, heartens me about uh, the whole human versus AI thing is that's the, um, the data shows again and again and again that human and AI pairings consistently outscore pairings of two humans and two AIs. So that, you know, the fact that you're utilizing both of those skill sets that you're saying, hey, ChatGPT, automate, I have to do 150 recipes, automate this part of the task that would take me five days that you can do in five seconds. Uh, and then I'll go through as someone who again, has a tongue with taste buds on it and can, you know, edit it and and uh, check your work, as they say. So did you say that AI and human outstrip two humans? I should have got an AI co-host. This data, this data is a little, this data is a little old. <laughs> I should, I should have gotten an AI co-host. That's what I'm, this is where I'm going to. He's on to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Greg. I think I just talked you out of a job. Oh. <laughs> Season the season three the season three reboot. Um, <laughs> now when you say I mean, that, that tracks that makes sense to me if you've got if you've got the 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 human aspect there with the sort of you know help and speed of the AI aspect it seems like that duo would be the winner every time right absolutely yeah. So talk to me a little bit about uh, before we go here because I'm actually going to be seeing you in uh, just a few days now talk to me a little bit about what's going on in uh, at Aunt Betty's on Sunday. 
Yeah, the drink. Uh, what do you call it? The drink sensational. You know, coming up with names, man, it's hard. I had nothing to do with that contraction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know who's great at coming up with names. I, I really AI. should have let ChatGPT name this thing. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> you've seen my menu. You can't trust me to name anything. <laughs> the shakes fist violently. Uh, so we we wrapped up season one, um, and honestly. Uh, love everybody who was on the show phenomenal people you know doing phenomenal things and in looking at doing season two you know i wanted to bring on greg as the co-host um he's he's great he's got like say, tons of knowledge he's a like me he's a fount of useless information and uh so one of the things when we first sat down he's like i got an idea i was like hit me let's hear it and it was actually his idea to bring as many guests as possible back for like a one night you know king of the hill kind of com uh, competition so the setup is going to be a slight modification from what we normally do but we'll have uh, ultimately three rounds at most round one uh, you know there'll be a prompt given um, everybody will you know take their well actually all of the human competitors have already received the prompts but they'll They'll have their prompt. Uh, they'll bring their cocktail. It'll get scored by our panel of judges. So we're actually going to have four judges for this competition. Ariana doesn't have to worry about uh, trying to drink all of these cocktails in a night. Um, but yeah, so we'll go for round one. That'll cut half. We'll go for round two. That'll cut another half. And then it'll be a uh, winner-take-all competition between the last human standing and AI. So uh should be pretty pretty enjoyable um and then you know like i said we're happy to be able to hold it at auntie betty's uh great bar in raleigh uh you know greg runs that place uh in a, an immaculate way uh it's eh, more or less um so yeah it's <laughs> a couple of hot and cold yeah but yeah so we're excited about it we're having i think um i think we're looking about eight out of I have to take you out of the ring. So eight out of 13 yeah. are able to make it back. Uh, a couple of folks who were out of town or otherwise obligated aren't going to be able to make it. Um, the cool thing for people coming out for it uh, who aren't competing is that you'll actually be able to order the cocktails that are competing after they've been scored. So, you know, that's a that's kind of a nice little thing if you come in and attend, you know. Yeah, we'll have the spec sheets. We'll have surrogates back there making it so the judges don't necessarily know what drink is coming from who. Yep. And then people can taste along with mm. it. Uh, my favorite thing about it is it's kind of more of a competition I would want to participate in. I've always had a little bit of an issue with like cities ranking the quality of their bartenders by a competition that's very far from what their job actually is. You know, how many of us out there are out there making one drink and force feeding it to everybody? You know what I mean? I've always wanted something that would be a right. bit more like showing a bit of range and your ability to respond to somebody, not just use our product and we're really trying to emphasize creativity, which, you know, if I got one more prompt like that from a competition, I was going to jump off a building, but I, I wanted to bring a, I wanted to do something that would bring a little bit of chaos into the mix. Yeah. So the, the competition <laughs> here, yeah. So the competition here isn't really bartender versus bartender. Yeah, that's my favorite you know, we, part. We, we've made it kind of, everybody's going, everybody's going after the AI, the AI sets the bar for every round and you have to score higher than it. So that's kind of fun. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. And what's the uh, what's the incentive? What's the walkaway prize? Bragging rights? I was going to say bragging rights, and uh, I don't know. We got pins somewhere. We'll find something. I'm going to figure something out. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> All our one um, shot of Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> Malort and, from a shoe. And Benson, you're, you're going down? 
I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm heading out there. I'm heading out there tomorrow. I'm excited. It's, uh, I, I love, I love Raleigh. It's, uh, one of my, I love, uh, small towns in uh, my apologies. Raleigh is a city. It's fully a city, but I love kind of like, you're not wrong, man. And I mean this term with love, like second market cities, yep. you know, sure. like places like uh, places in the South, like, uh, like, um, Raleigh or Richmond, uh, mm-hmm. places like that really have my heart because there's just, so much cool stuff going on down there. Asheville is a great example of this mm-hmm. too. Also in North Carolina, just like a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool people. Um, it reminds me kind of, of what like living in DC was a decade ago where it feels like if you don't want to be a part of the sort of political machine around you, you can be the equal and opposite reaction to that. So there's just a lot of like really smart, charming weirdos in these cities. Mm-hmm. And like, those are my people. So I, I, I love it. I'm super excited. Always love visiting Raleigh and I'm super stoked to see you guys this weekend. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty awesome. Best of luck to you, Greg. Uh, Thank you. I'm, I'm ju- also, I'm just, I'm spoiling for a rematch. My ego, if if you haven't been able to tell this by the last 45 minutes of me talking into a live microphone, is badly stung by having been absolutely used as a as a, a dish rag by chat gpt the last time we went head to head so i'm excited to hold down man you're representing all greg yeah <laughs> all of humanity's hopes are riding on you greg no pressure though no pressure uh well if people wanted to keep up with uh both the cocktail competition this sunday and uh what else y'all got going on what's the best place to follow you yeah so you can find us on instagram we're at drinking with robots uh, we're all on Facebook because I'm old, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. We technically have a TikTok, but I think we need to find somebody much younger than you or I to to run. That yeah, one. I have no yeah. idea. Betty's yeah. TikTok has one thing on it. If you want to find <laughs> Betty's, we're on Instagram at Auntie Betty's Bar. Everything's spelled with a Y. If you want to see pictures of my cat? I'm spill on purpose. And then RemedyCocktailCompany.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Remedy Cocktail Company. That was the most efficient plugging we've ever had on the show. <laughs> I, so. I know, three people years. and just... Uh, uh, I really appreciate you guys uh, giving us some of your time today uh, and talking to us about uh, drinking with robots here. Also, your podcast, you should you should pump that a little bit, oh, yeah. uh, which can be found where? On all platforms? All platforms. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, season one's out. We're looking at season two starting... I think we're probably going to set uh, mid-March for first episode to come out on that one for season two. Right on. Um, and it's it sounds like a fun project, and it's uh, it's keeping you interested and interesting, right? And that's that's what it's all about. So really appreciate the three of you taking time to chat with us today on the Speakeasy. Thank you um, for having us. Thank and you, Greg. Good luck. Good luck. Good good, good luck, luck going down, and uh, hopefully you uh, you can bring bring home the gold, whatever that is, uh, <laughs> for humanity and for for the Speakeasy. You're you're <laughs> representing all of us, Greg. The pr- the prize is not being terrified of the future. That's what <laughs> you win. Come, John Connor. This. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've always had this uh, this idea for a really really dumb competition, uh, cocktail competition, and uh, <laughs> I think maybe you should try it out in season two if, uh, or maybe season three. Two ingredients or less, <laughs> <laughs> or less. <laughs> All right, that's it for the speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Definitely check out Drinking with Robots. Really great having you all in the studio today. And until next time we see you, which for Greg is going to be tomorrow. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. It's jazz. It's about the drinks you're not making. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. 
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>